If you have a Bible nearby, let's, let's go to the book of Romans, chapter 12. Um, tonight is going to serve a couple of purposes for us, I think. Um, I think that this particular Sunday night will serve as kind of a bridge between where God's had us for the last couple of months and where He's going to take us in the months ahead uh, between now and Advent. Uh, so, so there'll be a lot of, of over, overlap um, in where we've been on Sunday nights, summer community groups, um, where we've been in community groups in general for the past, you know, probably a year, year or so. And as we look ahead to what, he, what we're going to do together, Sunday nights, community groups this fall, tonight's going to kind of serve as a bridge to get us from one place to the next and realize that he's uh, pushing us forward and kind of bringing us into some things uh, I, I think this is a time where there'll be some solidifying of the growth that has happened with us in the last couple of months. I think that God has kind of pushed us into some new territory in some ways and uh, with some, some ideas that uh, have been challenging and um, not so much like radically different from you know, everything else. But I think he's been pushing us in more deep ways in our understanding of who he is and how he works and what he's called us to and who he's made us into and and so I think this semester especially is going to be a time where, where, we, where we solidify that. Um, at the end of one of, the, one of the good and beautiful books, I don't remember which one, uh, it talks about how, um, how trees, like, like an oak tree will grow uh, for like a, maybe like a month out of the year. But then the rest of the year, it's, it's spent solidifying that, grow, that growth and, and firming that up and tightening that up to where the, the growth really is uh, is um, more stable and strong. I think that's kind of what we're coming into for the next uh, for the next period until Advent. I think God's going to keep kind of tilling up some of the same things in us and and, and pushing us to really take some things seriously and that kind of stuff. And so I think tonight's going to kind of segue us in in a way that hopefully makes sense. Um, so yeah, we're going to be in Romans twelve, which is probably uh, you know a familiar text. We'll look at the first two verses and then. Uh, and, and whatever. Um, but I was thinking and just praying through what, what God would want this night to be like. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of curveballs coming at us right now. Uh, there's a hurricane in the Gulf that can pretty much do whatever it wants. And we're all kind of at its mercy at this point and at the mercy of the Weather Channel, which is, man, just dramatic, isn't it? Like, they, they will have you sweating watching them. Uh, and, uh, you might be sweating in this room, and if it's hot in this room, I apologize. It's really hot up here, but that could be totally different. It may have nothing to do with the hurricane. I'm not sure. Uh, so there's a hurricane coming. We aren't sure what's, what's going to happen with that. Uh, football season's about to start at LSU. And so that, you know, we don't really care if there's a hurricane. We just don't want it to mess up that, right? Because uh, that's, do whatever you want. Just give us, give us our football. Um, so that's kind of coming. Uh, even today, like with the band, uh, Lily Pine was sick, so Brad wasn't able to be here. Unfortunately, Cody can just jump on any instrument up here and do just fine. And so we're like kind of shuffling around. We're trying to, to look at what do we do with community groups and how, how is the church going to respond to potential hurricane stuff. And there's just a lot of things kind of like stirring up or whatever. And uh, 
What's awesome about this is the fact that as much as we may not see some things coming, none of this is, is like a shock to God at all. Like he's not like he's not watching the Weather Channel, freaking out with them and with us. He knows he knows it all. It's all it's and he's fine. Like he's just totally fine. Um, and and I think it's it's some of that recognition of who God is and how He works and, and things. I think He's been his, the growth that's happened lately is I think helping us to just kind of relax a little bit. I think He wants to solidify like our understanding of who he is and how he works to the point where we're just not we're just not freaking out all the time, you know. Or if we are freaking out, it's like the appropriate level of freak out, you know. If we should be freaking out on a 3, we're not and we're on a 9, he wants to dial us down to a 3, you know. Um, and sometimes sometimes a 3 is right is all there is to it. And so I think there's just been some of those lessons we've been learning and and I was 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 praying toward tonight and trying to figure out, okay, God, what is what do you want for this one because I know I, I know what next Sunday is going to be, because that's family dedication, okay? And it's going to be awesome. If you haven't, let us know that you want to dedicate your child and let us know that. So that'll be next week. And then, like, from there to Advent, it's kind of all mapped out uh, as far as, like, what the topics for Sunday nights and stuff. Community groups are all mapped out. Everything's mapped out, but this one wasn't. This one night it was not mapped out. And God kind of brought me to this verse and to some of the stuff from the summer group and kind of tied it together. And I started thinking about how much... How many times I've heard and, and experienced it myself and talked with people about kind of feeling like you're like um, a different person in different environments. Or you go throughout the course of your day and maybe like you feel like, like, you're like a, there's like a work you and a at home you and there's a community group you, you know, and then there's a when nobody else is around you and there's a at church you and there's just like you know different kind of things and and how sometimes we, we you really do feel you feel like kind of uh kind of Jekyll and Hyde ish you know and I don't know if if you've ever read um the Robert Louis Stevenson classic work of literature Jekyll and Hyde uh I'm sure some of you have because I'm sure some of you are readers and stuff my understanding of Jekyll and Hyde comes from uh a animated short called Motor Mania Starring Goofy. You might ever see this? And it was about road rage. You remember this? Some of y'all are like, well, we don't know who Goofy is. Okay, that's fine. Uh, it, was a, it was a cartoon, and it's really dark looking back on it. But when I was young, I remember watching it. Goofy was, uh, he was this character called Mr. Walker. And he was a nice businessman, like well-dressed, you know, whatever, very polite and all this stuff. He would get into his car. He would be on his way into work. And people would like cut him off or whatever, and he would just like become this like terrible person uh, called Mr. Wheeler. And his road rage, he would just go crazy, and he's yelling at everybody, and he's slamming on the horn, and all this kind of stuff. And then he would get to work, and he would go back to being Mr. Walker again. And it was like I don't know if they're trying to help kids like understand their parents or, <laughs> you know, understand road rage and anger, or say this is what's ahead of you, or I don't really understand why Walt Disney would do a lot of things they do, but this was. Looking back on it, I, I don't know, but that's my understanding of Jekyll and Hyde, is you see this one, one person, and it's like he has two completely different personalities over the course of the day in different settings. And I think that there's some, sometimes, like, spiritually, I think we kind of feel that way, you know? Because sometimes you are, I mean, you're there. You know, like, you're abiding, you love the Lord, you want to you wanna serve others, you want Him to just glorify Himself through your life, and whatever it takes, it just doesn't really matter. You're just there. And other times... It's like you're the most like just self-centered jerk ever, you know. 
And you're like, how can I be so this way in the morning? And then by lunchtime, I'm like a completely different person. And then sometimes, you, like, through the course of the day, you swing back and forth. And sometimes you're just so exhausted by the end of the day because it's, it's like you're exactly who you want to be. And then a couple hours later, you're the opposite of what you want to be. And we feel guilty about that, and we wonder, why am I this way? And sometimes, eventually, you just get to where you just accept the fact. You just say, well, I'm just super moody, or I'm just inconsistent, or whatever. Um, I think that Jesus wants to, to help us deal with that. Like, the abundant life is not one of Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, it's not one of these inconsistencies that we have with us. I think Jesus wants to make us into the kind of people that are consistent with who He's made us to be. Um, this is uh, a couple years ago. I was was doing a series and was trying to figure out how to teach um, on like righteousness. And I read this. I think it was Piper. Who, he kind of said it this way, and I just kind of ran with it. But he said, "If if if holiness is the sun, then righteousness is the fact that the sun is always going to act like the sun. So if holiness is the sun." Righteousness is the fact that every day that sun, that sun is going to rise. Of course, I know that it doesn't really rise, but you know what I'm saying. The sun is, it's going to be there. The sun is always going to be above the clouds no matter what's going on. The sun is always going to be super hot and super bright. And the sun is always going to go down at night to, to cool off the, our side of the earth until the next day. And the sun is going to be consistent and it's always going to do that. That's, that's righteousness. That, that our, our behavior, our thinking, everything about us is consistent with the holiness that Jesus has brought about in us. And that's righteousness. And that's really what I'm talking about, is how do, we, how do we live consistently righteous lives to where we are always acting like who we really are. Um, and if you kind of feel sometimes kind of Jekyll and Hyde-ish, kind of Jesus-centered and then self-centered and back and forth all the time, I believe that Jesus wants to bring some, some healing and some deliverance from that garbage uh, into our lives. Let's look at, look at our old pal, Romans 12, um, starting in verse 1. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Okay? We'll stop right there. We'll leave that up on the screen. Um, When he says, I appeal to you, therefore, he's talking about in light of everything else he's covered up until that point. And so, uh, if you want to know what that is, just read uh, chapters 1 through 11, and you'll know what the therefore means. Basically, what he's saying is, because Jesus has, uh, out of his grace, and by nothing that you have earned, nothing that you have done, he has come and he has has paid the price for your sins and exchanged your your life for his life, uh, just because he's merciful and good and loving, and obedient to the Father. That's my really rough summation of Romans 1 through 11. Uh, so, so he's basically saying, in light of all that stuff, by the mercies of God, this is the conclusion he comes to. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We talked about this before, about, about the idea of being a sacrifice that is alive. Um, you know, in the Old Testament, they, would, they would, would follow the Levitical law that was laid out for them. And so they would bring animals to be sacrificed. And they would come and they would hand over the animal to the priest. And there were some things that would go on. And the sins of the people would be transferred to the animal. And then the animal would be killed on the altar. What Paul is saying is, saying, look, and he's covered this previously in Romans. He's saying, look, that, 
That's not the system we live under now. That system was good and necessary, but now we're under, we're under a, new, a new system. And in this system, Jesus has already covered like, the penalty and the price that needs to be paid. Your response to that is that you now become the sacrifice. Like You present yourself to him. Like you can, if this were like an altar, you, you lay your life down on the altar. And you say, it's not my money. It's not my career. This day is not my agenda. Nothing about this is my life. It's just yours because that's the logical response. That's the spiritual worship, the logical like, way to go uh, to express our worth and gra- our, his worth and our gratitude to the Lord. But look at, look at this part of the verse kind of came to me. Um, this is our Star Wars screen over here. Only six of you know why that's the Star Wars screen. That's okay. Um, holy and acceptable. A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. I didn't really think about this too much before, but what he's saying is that you, as a Christian, if, if you're in this room and you're a Christian... That when God looks at you, first of all, He's made you alive, which is awesome. But that you are holy and you are acceptable to Him as a sacrifice. In the Old Testament, they, the animals that they brought had to, be, they had to meet certain standards. They had to, be one, just, had to be pure. There couldn't be a blemish or a defect on the animal at all. It had to be the best possible animal. And so you as a living sacrifice... You lay down that altar, first of all, you're alive. We've, the tendency of a living sacrifice would be to crawl off the altar whenever it gets uncomfortable. But you're alive. But God looks at you and He sees holiness because He sees His Son. He sees his son and you're, you're acceptable to Him. Now I think as a living sacrifice, a lot of us find reasons why that would not be the case. We would object to that if we were being honest. You know, we would we'd say, well, I've done this and this, and I'm this way. And even the fact that sometimes you are kind of Jekyll and Hyde and, and, and inconsistent within your own life, you'd use that as an excuse to say, I can't be a living sacrifice because I have a defect. You know, there's, there's that blemish of my life. There's this inconsistency that's there. There's uh, a righteousness that I long for, but that consistency is not happening, and so I'm, therefore I'm, I'm not worthy to be a living sacrifice. And this verse says, you're wrong. This verse says that you are alive, and you are holy, and you are acceptable to God. That's what's true about you. And we should, uh, this is worth just sitting in, you know. So don't, don't come up with all these excuses as to why God does not find you acceptable. Because of Jesus, you are. And who are you to tell Jesus that he's wrong? And who am I to tell Jesus that he thinks we're holy and accept, but, but we found an exception. We found an, an error in his accounting. He, it's done. Okay, it's done. So, um, so that verse, like that's awesome, right? That's a good verse. Look at the next verse. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
So, okay, so verse, the first verse says all this great stuff about us. Then you see the second verse, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Focus on the do not be conformed to this world part, because I think that's, I think that's where a lot of us trip up, is that we, um, we, we, live, in the, we live in the world, all right? Um, so so what, what does that mean exactly? Um, the world is, like, you look biblically, like, look throughout scriptures, and it's used kind of different ways, but... But kind of a general like understanding would be the world is is the the fallen state of mankind, um, the the ideas, the attitudes, the assumptions, the uh, definitions of how life works, uh, just this this mindset that that we are born into that, that this is just kind of how it is. Uh, that's that, that's the world, and, and it's a it's a force, you know, that's out there, and it's not one that we necessarily see, and all the, all the time, but but you just you know it's there because we bump up against it all the time, because we go to work, we go to school, and we live in neighborhoods, and we we watch movies and TV, and we read magazines, and we're on the internet, and we see all these things out there, and it's 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 when when the the reality of verse one, us being holy and acceptable. Uh, because of Jesus, when that bumps into the world, uh, that's that's how you know it's the world, and that'll make sense in, in a few minutes. Uh, so he's saying, don't be conformed to the world. And some translations, I think NIV may say it this way: it says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. And I really like that because because a, a pattern, like I can understand, I can understand that because we all know what patterns are. Uh, and the example I tend to use the most is like when we all learned how to write, you were given a pattern of what all the letters look like, right? And you, you traced over them. It was like the little dotted line deal, and you would trace over those things to learn what all the different letters are. And so the pattern of the world is the same thing. Uh, think, think of it in terms of, of saying, okay, uh, the world will come to you and say, this is, this is what happiness looks like. And you, you just trace your line right over this understanding of happiness. This is what success looks like. This is the role that money should play. By the time you're this age, your life should look like this. And if it doesn't, eh, you must have done something wrong. These are things you should be afraid of. These are things you should avoid. This is where your security is found. This is how you know you're worth something to someone. And so you're just tracing over those patterns and those it's like different letters. And what happens, what happens when you're young and you, you start tracing over those letters, you start to put them together to make words, right? And sounds and syllables. And so the world has all these different patterns of all these different ideas and thoughts and attitudes, and we piece all those things together into this fabric. And, or it's, it's like a fabric or it's like a, like a lens or something. That, that's how we interpret things. And so what Paul is saying is because you are holy and acceptable and Jesus has made you new and different, don't conform to those patterns of the world. Now, the problem is that we come into here and it's pretty easy to amen that, you know, and whatever, and we're, we're on board. But you, you leave here, you go somewhere else, and you're, there's all these patterns that you're coming up against. And they're right in front of you. And it's sometimes difficult to know. How do you navigate through that? How do you, how do you engage a culture that needs Jesus? How do you infuse Jesus in, in there when they have all these patterns and you're just constantly bumping, uh, bumping into those things? And how do you know, we've talked about it before, 
Um, Francis Chan said, he, used, he words it like, how do, how do you know when to be weird and when to fit in? You know, like, how do you know when to do that and how do you figure that stuff out? And um, that, that's, the, that's the, where the tension comes in is a lot of times we're just not very good at that. So we come into here, we're like, we're holy, we're acceptable, you know, we're, we're this, we're this, we're this. We go out and then there's the patterns of the world and we tend to go back and lay our lives right over the top of those and start tracing them again. And then we wonder, why am I Jekyll and Hyde, you know? And so what Paul's doing is I think he's trying to connect those two dots and saying, saying, this is who you are, don't be conformed to this, but here's the hope, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Then by testing you may discern what, the will of, what is the will of God, what's good and acceptable and perfect. That's what we want, right? We, we, we want there to be that consistency. We want to be of one mind with Christ and we, we want all that stuff. So the key in all this is to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. And that's, like, that's, the, that's, that's what we have to understand. Is you, the patterns of the world, it's a way of thinking, it's just a way of thinking. And Jesus comes in and says, hey, let me teach you a new way to think. And a lot of times, you know, people will use, they'll use, you know, the, the caterpillar or butterfly deal to talk about the Christian life, that you're a new creation, you've been transformed. And I think that's, I think that's a pretty awesome way to think about it. That if, like, if, if you're a caterpillar... And Jesus has made you into a butterfly. Conforming to the pattern of the world is a butterfly still thinking like a caterpillar. I don't know how that works, or if that's even possible. And I don't need a scientific lecture afterwards as to why caterpillars don't have brains or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> but just, just work with me in this. It's like a butterfly trying to act like a caterpillar because that's all that it's known. And so Jesus is basically saying through Paul, uh, hey, let me, let me teach you how to think like a butterfly since that's what you are. So let me teach you how to think like a butterfly. The world is trying to make you into a better and better caterpillar. And Jesus is saying, that's not even who you are. Let me teach you. So the renewal of the mind, you know, there's a terrible YouTube video called The Renewed Mind is the Key. And I was just dreading, dreading, I almost just like, let me just show it to you and just get it over with. But I'm not going to do that because that actually devolves the church, I think, uh, a little bit. Just go look it up later. It's really terrible. But, but, but the premise is true, um, that the key to all this is, is the renewal of the mind. And what I want us to do really quickly is I want us to look, uh, you don't have to flip to Genesis 3, but I'm going to read, read you something. We talked about this in our... Um, talked about this in our summer community group on free will. Uh, that the mind, like this is, this is where that sanctification happens. Like that's, the, that's kind of the church word for what we're talking about. Is, is how, do I, how do I be sanctified? How do I mature? How do I grow? How do I learn to think like a butterfly? The tendency is to like go right toward the actions, you know. That you look at this butterfly that's trying to like be a caterpillar, and you're saying, well, you just need to like, flap your wings and do this and do this and do this, and then everything will be fine. But the problem is not action. And that's what, that's what we've tried to push away from here at the ring for years, as long as we've been around, since, the, since 1998. We've been trying to push away from behavior modification, you know, 
of saying, well, let's just stop doing these things and start doing these things. And then like we do the right little dance combo and then God will be happy with us. And and, because that's not that's not what the gospel is. The gospel is about transformation into Christ likeness. It's about the glory of God. It's about uh, it's about all these things, but it's not about just start to like straighten up, you know. So, so what role does the mind really play? Like, why would the why is the mind so important, and why is that something to harp on so much? Why not go to behavior? Why go to the mind? All right, look at look at Genesis chapter three. This is where everything went crazy, right? Verse one. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, "Did God actually say?" You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the tree, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you will die. Okay, now stop right there. Okay? So she is thinking about that tree in the way that God has told her to think about the tree. He's saying you can eat. I've provided you with food and like everything that you need in this garden. Here's the one thing I don't want you to eat from it. If you do, you're going to die. So she's thinking consistently with how God has like led her to think, right? So at this point, she is not partaking of that tree because she's thinking consistently with what's true and what's real and who God is. Now, in our summer group on free will, I know uh, some of you were there, some of you were not. Um, we talked about the, like the will, the will is, is kind of always being bullied, you know. And uh, James Bryan Smith is the, is the writer of the, book that, the books that we've been going through in our groups each fall for the last couple of years. And he sums it up well. Uh, others have written other things like this. But he, he talks about how the, how the mind and the body and your social context are the things that, that bully your will. Uh, in, into like certain kinds of, of, of behaviors and stuff. The mind, the body, and the social context. But really, they all come down to the mind. Okay? So, so, for example, the mind, let's say that you are, uh, this is my favorite example because I'm, I'm, this happens to me all the time. Let's say that you're watching TV, and if, if you're like sitting there and you're hanging out with some friends and someone would say, hey, how do you feel about uh, cat adoption? I think you'd be like, I'm, I'm for it, you know, I guess. Like, I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to be like the guy that's against cat adoption. You know, that would be terrible. Uh, but I know, I feel, I, I support it. You know, I'd vote for it, whatever. And then a commercial comes on from the ASPCA and Sarah McLaughlin <laughs> or Willie Nelson comes on and they find like the saddest cats ever and it's slow motion turning and looking at you and uh, it's just, just t- you know, whatever. And you're watching this commercial, and we'll, if someone were to ask you at the end of that commercial, how do you feel about cat adoption? You would not be able to answer because you're on the phone calling to adopt a cat in that moment, <laughs> right? Because what, what has just happened? Your mind has now been, been uh, brought in that direction. Like, that's, that's now what you desire because your thoughts have been brought right, right to where the ASPCA wanted your thoughts to be, and now you're going to go and you're going to adopt a cat. That's what happens, is your mind goes to a certain place, and then your emotions follow. We tend to think that our, our emotions are, 
are what's like driving us forward. You know, we say, oh, we're such emotional beings. It's not that we're emotional. Uh, that's not the driving force. Our emotions are, are triggered by our thoughts. And so really good advertisers come in and they, they put thoughts into your mind knowing that's going to evoke these emotions and knowing that that's going to lead to you making some sort of you know, pet adoption decision or whatever. That's, that's, the, that's how we are. Okay? It's all, it all comes down to thoughts. The body, okay, like we have certain like, like physical needs that, that, that happen. So you get hungry, uh, your body's like, we really need some food. And your body lets your mind know that. And that's, so that's when you start thinking, um, what, what time is lunch? You know, and you start planning, like, what am I going to eat or whatever. Uh, but if you're, the reason why the body submits to the mind is this. Because if your body, like your stomach starts growling, you're like, oh, I really need something to eat. But you look at your watch and you know, I don't, I'm, don't get a lunch break for 45 minutes. So you don't go eat for 45 minutes. Because what you know to be true about your schedule and what your boss will let you do trumps what your body is trying to tell you that it needs. And so you just basically tell your body, no, wait 45 minutes and then we'll get something to eat. Okay? And so it's, about the, it's about the mind. Your mind also knows, I can drink a glass of water and trick my stomach into thinking that's full. So our, like, we're not driven by the needs of our body uh, primarily. It's, it's what we're thinking about those given situations. Uh, the third thing was social context. All right? That's just another fancy way of saying like, peer pressure. And that's not, it's not just for you know, 13-year-olds or whatever. That grown adults, we all struggle with being in different environments. And so in some groups of people, your, your thoughts look a certain way. And you're like, completely like you're whatever. You're... Jekyll, I guess, and then you get in other, in, in other contexts around other people, and then you become Hyde, and then you wonder, like, what's going on? Well, it's because you still let what other people think about you bully you into, like, doing certain things sometimes and feeling a certain way. Um, that social context just comes under submission. So there is a point where, when you're thinking properly about something, it doesn't matter what your friends tell you, okay? So your friends could be like, dude, you totally need to get one of those, like, Mike Tyson, like, face tattoo things, it would look awesome on you, all right? No matter how much you want your friends to love you and accept you, your thoughts rule over that, and that's a bad, bad, bad decision, and you're not going to do it. But then there are some other things where your friends are, are maybe trying to, you feel some sort of pressure there to do something, and if your thoughts are not where they need to be, then you're going to give in, and you're going to become, you're going to decide, you're going to will to do something that you don't want to do. So all those things come down to the mind, okay? If you don't believe me, look what happens here in the story. Um, verse 4. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Okay? So he takes her thought from, from being right where God said, to he now like, offers another option. And we don't really know exactly what's going on in Eve's mind. If, if it's the doubt or if it's the fear or like what, we don't really know what happens. But her thoughts are now leading her to make a different kind of decision in regard to that fruit. So look at the next verse. Verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, those, those things were probably there already. She knew that it was fruit. It probably was a very tasty-looking pomegranate or whatever that was there. Those things are not new. Here's the new thing. Um, and, that it, uh, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of it and she ate. That was the new thought. 
That'll make me wise like God. That was, her, that was the swing from, from Jekyll to Hyde. It wasn't, it wasn't just because she, she wanted to eat it. It wasn't just because that the, that the serpent was there. It wasn't just because of curiosity. It wasn't just because of all that. It really comes down to she saw it and said, that can make me like God. It's her thoughts. It's a pattern of the world. And that's where it starts, right there. That's the power of our minds. And so when we go back to Romans 12, and we look at verse 2, and he says, Don't conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We have to recognize that that's, that's what Jesus is doing with us. Is he's coming and he's saying, You think it works like this, but it doesn't. It works like this. That's the caterpillar mindset. But you're now a butterfly, so let me teach you how to think like a butterfly. And when we think like ones who are holy and acceptable, when our minds function that way, what, you know what follows? Everything else. Our actions follow. Our emotions follow. They either follow or they submit. And so behavior modification is not the way to go. It's not... Hey, let's let's just let's just make sure we're doing the right things and avoiding the wrong things. And say no, like I need to know how to think differently about this. And so Paul puts that out in front of us and says, "You are holy and acceptable and good." Now let's be transformed. Because you know what what happens. I, I don't really know if if this is true, but just again, go go with it. Um, I'm sure when the butterfly comes out of the cocoon, it probably doesn't really know what's going on. But it learns. And that's, that's you and me. That's discipleship in Christ. So we may not always be 100% like right where we, right we want to be, and we might not always be thinking in the right ways. But Jesus says, come follow me. He says, come follow me. Deny yourself, take up your cross daily, follow me. If anybody wants it, come on. That's what he says. And so it comes down to us for it comes it comes down to this. Um, in the areas of life where we are inconsistent, somewhere in there we're thinking wrongly about something. And that's a lot of what I do with, with people, and a lot of what Meg does, and people who are counselors and pastors who. who you guys who sit down with one another all the time, a lot of what you end up doing is you're, you're listening to someone and they're going through something difficult and you're trying to help them and eventually you figure out, wait a minute, you, you're thinking this way and that's incorrect. And so you take out the wrong thinking and you replace it with the right thinking. And Jesus does that over and over and over again until you realize, I'm a butterfly and I know exactly what to do. And so Jesus wants to make us Consistent. Righteousness. I mean, that's, that's, that's it. So what do we do, what do, we do about this? What's the, what's the takeaway? What's the, how do you, what's the application or whatever? Here's, here's what I would do. Let's put verse 2 back up there. Um, I, think, I think too many times you hear a message like this and, and you know, the, it'd be so easy to just pray right there. You know? Not that it was a good sermon necessarily, but it's kind of like, like, no, that's a good strong word, you know. 
you know, whatever. Uh, but sometimes we're like, I, I need to know what to do. And, and our temptation is to try to take on too much at one time. You know, we just say, that's it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be 100% consistent in every area of life for the, rest of my, for the rest of my days until Jesus comes back. And then on the way home, something weird happens and you're like, you just broke your lifelong commitment, you know. Uh, so I usually encourage people to not try to change your entire life. Because most of us probably are not uh, like Jekyll and Hyde in like every single area of life, you know. There's probably a, just a few key areas, some, some sin, like sinful patterns that we struggle with for a long time, some relationships where forgiveness needs to happen and you just aren't really sure you're not really sure why. Some deep-seated fears and insecurities that tend to drive us. There's just, usually there's like some, some, just a few things that are really plaguing us. And so, so here's, here's, here's the, the takeaway, I, I believe. The first thing I think that you need to do is, is, is well, all this is basically about like prayer, okay? So, so figure out what that area is. And, and my advice would be just take one at a time. Just start in one thing. What's the area of life or your inconsistency just trips you up and just honestly just drives you crazy. And start there. And so I think you bring yourself to the Lord in prayer, and I believe that... Uh, actually, go back to verse 1, if you don't mind. Uh, I think these, these two verses. So I think you start off, you come to Jesus, and, and you acknowledge the fact that, that this is true about you. That He has made you alive, and that you are holy, and that you are acceptable to Him. Regardless of any sort of uh, like emotion or like w- contrary thing that you would come up with, regardless of all that, you come to me and say, I know that I'm acceptable to you because of what you have done. I have not earned it. You have graciously given it to me. I know that. So I think you start off your prayer there. Then I think you go to verse 2, and I think you say, um, in this area of life, I need you to show me how I'm conforming to the pattern of the world. Show me how I'm thinking like the world in regard to this sin issue, this forgiveness issue, this identity issue, whatever it might be. In some way, I'm thinking like the world does. I have traced that pattern over the world for my life. Show me what's wrong there. And then you pray, would you you show me what, what a renewed mind looks like in regard to this? What is, what is Jesus thinking in regard to forgiveness or sin or identity or whatever? And just ask Him to help you. It's just, it's just that simple. And you know what's weird? He'll do it. Like He'll completely show you like exactly, exactly where the pattern of the world, like what's tripping you up. He'll, sh- he'll, he'll speak it to you. Um, he'll show it to you in a verse. He may lead you to have like to dialogue with someone you trust in this, and he may speak through them. He, there's all kinds of ways where he will do this, but he will show you this is the pattern of the world, and this is what it looks like in my kingdom. And then you just ask him, will you, will you help me? Will you take that out and replace it? It's just that simple. I think you pray it, and you pray it, and you pray it, and you mean it the whole time, and you depend on him. And whatever you're sensing from His leadership, and whatever is in His Word, and whatever is coming your way, you obediently step into that. And you know what happens? Uh, when, you, when you don't give up after two days of praying it, um, 
those patterns become less and less appealing, and that kingdom thinking becomes more and more natural. Next thing you know, you're living in this natural Jesus rhythm of life in regard to this. And that's when our behaviors and our feelings, all that kind of stuff, follow suit with that. And that's that restoration, and that's, that's what he's called us to. But here's, here's the problem for most of us, is that we don't really think there's a problem, you know. We just, you know, we're just like, oh, I'm, no, I'm, I'm pretty good, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at things. I'm pretty consistent, I'm pretty, I don't really struggle with that worldly stuff, I'm pretty kingdom-minded. And if, that, if, that's, if that's true, if you are having a hard time putting your finger on what area of life he wants to renew your mind in, then that becomes the thing you bring to him. You say, here's, here's my, my biggest issue, is I think I'm awesome. And then you go through that same thing with him. Now, I know this has been long, uh, but I think it's important for us to understand, because of where he's going to take us after Labor Day, I think it's important for us to understand this concept, this idea of exchange, of him taking out those patterns of the world and the the caterpillar-like thinking and renewing our minds and letting us live consistently with who he's made us as those who are holy and acceptable. And so I don't know where this lands with you. I know where it lands with me. Uh, now we have to be good stewards of whatever it is he's stirred in us. And so I'm going to pray, and the band's going to come. We're going to respond a little bit and uh, see what else God has for us in our few minutes together. Let's, let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for uh, your just extreme patience. I thank you that you are good, um, and you always act in ways that are good. And sometimes that means that you, you kind of let us uh, struggle through some of this stuff. And sometimes you let us embrace these patterns of the world so that we can see that they're destructive and so that you can uh, just victoriously lead us forward in that and uh, so that you receive the glory for that transformation. And that's, the, the, that's what's so amazing about all this is that we can't, we cannot uh, renew our own minds. We cannot be transformed by our own efforts. So help us to uh, really just to own up to the fact that we, we are all works in progress and pray that you would breathe some hope into, into those sin patterns and struggles and relational issues and issues with identity and security and all the things that have plagued us that you would just whisper to us um, that there is there is a brighter future ahead that those struggles it won't always be that way help us to push away from just accepting that's just the way it is let us just refuse to settle And to take you up on your offer for transformation and renewal of the mind. We thank you, Jesus, that we are holy and acceptable because of what you have done. And I just love the fact that you want to help us to live consistently with that. But there's no shortcut to it. So help us to just own up to that and to look to you. Let's spend a few minutes just in personal prayer and then we'll stand here and sing in just a minute.